Okay. Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have a social innovator who also runs a social enterprise. Gerben, Banny, Peren, excuse me. No, and <laughs> it's Gerbine Basine. Basine, that's right. She's the founder and executive director, and here's another one that requires pronunciation, A-A-N-G-N. A-A-N-G-E-N. E-E-N. Angen. Angen. Yeah. Okay. So, German, let's uh, get into this. Tell us a little bit about your academic uh, career. Um. Well, I I did my undergraduate in international relations uh, at the at York University, and uh, thought I might go into diplomacy or you know working at the UN or something like that because I had a lot of languages. So I, I did my master's in political science and international relations after that um, at the University of Windsor. Uh, I realized. After that master's, um, it really wasn't what I was looking for uh, in in terms of a career path or, you know, how I wanted to spend my life. So I realized shortly after doing um, more volunteer work at at, uh, the Scott Mission, actually, that that's what I really was comfortable with is, is really serving people and making sure people are fed and taken care of. So that was something very dear to my heart. Um, and because I already had a, a political science background, I wanted to apply for social policy. Um, and I did so at uh, the University of Michigan, where they had a very good program uh, for uh, a Master of Social Work, but they they had a specialization in policy and evaluation, so that's what I did. So, for a while there, you didn't want to go to work. You just wanted to go to school. <laughs> I wanted to go to school, that's right. <laughs> so, after, well, all, you this, know, keep studying. after mm-hmm. all this wonderful education, uh, did you end up going to work? I did. I did. I, in fact, um, started off uh, working at the university. um, Well, working at the university as a a part-time professor while I was working full-time at the Michigan Department of Social Services. And then I jumped onto uh, a federal project um, uh, where I did a lot of work in children's mental health policy as well as uh, evaluation uh, for for uh, a newer term back then, which was wraparound services in supporting um, children's mental health and their families. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're bilingual. You speak Canadian and American, but you also <laughs> speak other languages. I do. I do. 
uh, I speak Hindi, Punjabi, Farsi, and um, yeah, and and I'm learning Spanish actually. Uh, been something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I used to speak French uh, very well when I was younger, but unfortunately, I've lost that a bit uh, over the years because I haven't practiced it. Okay. Now, your family are not from Canada. What's the original uh, location of their birth? Hmm. Um, well, my, my family actually comes from Iran. Uh, we uh, have been in Iran for five generations. Uh, so my, both my parents were born in Iran. My grandparents were also born in Iran. Um, my great-great-great-grandparents um, migrated there from India, and uh, they were, you know, they, they were in the trade, like they would, they would bring um, goods from India and then back to uh, Iran and then go back to India, you know, so they, they actually were in, in the trading industry, and uh, they did very well, but they really liked the culture and the climate and so on of Iran, and so they settled there for many years, many, many years, and then it was only because of the Iranian revolution that uh, we had to we had to leave. So I often say I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a hybrid <laughs> Indian Iranian Pakistani Canadian you know mishmash all kinds of things. But now I'm a full full fledged Torontonian. You know that's just that's just who I am. <laughs> uh, who speaks uh, American? Who speaks American too? That's right. That's <laughs> okay, so now we know a little bit about your academic, your family background. You should do a family tree. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That would be extremely Absolutely. I think my brother, my brother started one. Um, he was very close with our grandfather, and so he started to document that kind of thing. But, yeah, we have a very interesting family tree because, um, you know, we've ha- we come from so many different places, and then... Now, post-war, um, you know, 1978 was when the revolution happened in Iran, and so we're now all over the world, right? We, we're all the way to Australia, to England, to um, uh, other places in India, and then Iran still, and I mean, everywhere. And uh, in the U.S., our family's quite spread out. Boy, you need to do a Zoom meeting. Oh, we do. We sure do. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way we can all talk. (laughs) And not even all of us, but like close enough, you know. But uh, Mm -hmm. can you you get it under that hundred number (laughs) with all the family (laughs) that you have? Just about. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into the venture that you're doing now. Which is a mm-hmm. nonprofit and a social enterprise. And right. when did you start that? And how did you come up with the name? So, um, both good questions. I actually started thinking about the, the term that is now known as social enterprise that did not exist when I was in graduate school. So, I would say 1995 was when I particularly became aware of 
the issues facing the charitable world and the not-for-profit world, you know, because everybody was applying for grants. And my job, believe it or not, was to be the evaluator of grant applications as they came in for government funding um, to the Michigan Department of Social Services. And I learned very, very quickly that the system was quite broken for me. Uh, you know, it works for others, but for me, it was very like um, shocking that people who wanted to do good things in the world and serve their communities had to jump through so many hoops to get funding to 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 provide services that were so needed in their community. So um, that's when I started to think about like, well, why is this attached to funding? Like, why can't we, um, those of us who want to serve the community, find ways to make money and then put it back towards community service. So there was no real word for what I was trying to figure out. So the journey started for me in 1995. And um, by the time I moved back to Toronto, which was in the year 2000, my mom and a couple other women were very much involved in serving the community. My mom comes from a very long line of um, community activists and philanthropists, you know, uh, for the lack of a better word. But uh, she comes from a lineage of that. And so she said to me, oh, you know, a couple of us formed this thing called Angan. And I was like, well, what does that mean? And she goes, oh, no, it's it's a Sanskrit word, and it means courtyard of a home. And uh, that's where the family gathers, and you're nurtured, and you're safe, and you're taken care of. And I was like, oh, that's nice, Mom. And then she said, well, you study social work. You should take it over. <laughs> and I was like, dear God, how did this happen? <laughs> so it was kind of a funny evolution because um, <clears throat> I, I went back into, when I came back to Toronto, I, I went into policy again, uh, and I was still running my own business uh, as a, as a um, political consultant, you know, uh, making reports and making politicians look good, if you will. Uh, I did very well in, in the U.S. as a as a woman of color who could crunch numbers and um, work with politicians. If you you know during the Clinton years, uh, it worked out very well for me, and so I established great contacts and so on. But I came back home, and then all of a sudden, you know, they had formed this group and they wanted to register as a not for profit, and and then eventually, you know, some of them wanted to. Be, make it a charity and I said well I have this idea if you let me try it for one year you know if you want me to run this can I run it my way um and if you give me the latitude to to try it um I had a business model which of course has changed many 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 times over um so they let me try it and we've never looked back wow that's terrific, but really interesting how the name uh, came into play. So in terms of your website, you say you create empowerment and break the cycle of poverty. Can you explain what that means? Absolutely. So um, as, as someone who has come from a social work background, um, I realized that... Uh, we really cannot uh, ask people to 
um, facilitate independence un until and unless we look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right, and get underneath what's going on. So we look at housing, we look at food security, you know, shelter, all the good things that we need as very basic fundamental needs, right? These are our fundamental needs as, as any human. So we look at all of that. And then once we get through that and we work with housing agencies, we work with, you know, food banks, we work all kinds of partnerships that we've developed. But then once we get through that, then it becomes more about how do we sustain that, right? We don't want to continue to create a dependency model, whether it's on, you know, public funding, whether it's on, you know, other other people or donations, things like that. So we ourselves are independent. So how do we help our, our clients and the community facilitate their, their own independence? And the way that we came up with that in terms of breaking the cycle of poverty is by creating jobs. That's, that to me is the most logical way is to be able to give employment, but not just any kind of employment, right? We're looking at supportive employment. So what we have done over the last, I would say, eight to 10 years is that we have created employment that provides support inherent to the employment. So I'll give you an example. We, we have people who work in our kitchen where we create meals for the shelters, okay? So we work with the respites or, or other shelters that might need support. Um, so we create the meals. But who are we employing in that kitchen? We're employing people who need employment, but who also need some support, right? So they may not have training, so we provide training. They may not have um, worked within uh, a, a particular structure before. So how do we provide that? How do we coach and support while um, creating the employment that's going to facilitate their independence. So a lot of the people that we work with have, in fact, lived, uh, have lived experience of homelessness or they, they have, like, a situation where they're a survivor of domestic violence. I mean, there's multitudes of, of things. We have newcomers. We have all kinds of situations where, where we can provide the support geared to that particular individual, right? So that's how we operate. And it goes all the way across. So it's not just in our kitchen, it's in our, our cleaning department and our farm product department. Our accountant is someone who um, is a newcomer to Toronto, needed, you know, just needed that good old Canadian experience, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, so across the board, we try to create employment uh, that is supportive. And in fact, we, I think, have done a very good job because we had another housing agency who had some supportive employment work that they were doing, and they asked us to step in and, you know, work with their employees um, as, a, a, you know, um, to, to become their support system. So that has been very exciting. So we kind of grew from, you know, um, maybe 10 or 15 people to all of a sudden 100 people within a year or two. Uh, it sort of evolved so rapidly um, 
that uh, we're, we're basically playing catch up with ourselves at this point. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and and uh, the areas that you're in, the support areas you're in, are really interesting. And at our Community Innovation Hub, we have a program called the Homeless Entrepreneur, which teaches mm-hmm. homeless people how to start a business. And we've identified oh. over 200 uh, opportunities that could be started for under $50. So that's something oh, wow. we may want to explore at some time. But uh, I want to focus on you today. And how does your organization have the funding to support the many activities that you do? Well, um, you know, that's that's a great question. So we don't have funding in any traditional form. Um, We have started literally with each business line, I mean, it has evolved organically, if you will, in and of itself. So the farm products that we started off with about 10 years ago happened by chance, if you will. I was having a conversation with a woman who owned a cafe, and she all of a sudden asked me about eggs. And I I pick up, I used to pick up eggs because I would go visit my mom in Orangeville, and I've offered her a dozen before you knew what she was ordering. And then the cafe next door started ordering, and then word of mouth happened, and I had to get a truck. Like, that's what happened. <laughs> like, it just happened on its own. And then then people started to ask for maple syrup and then honey. And then it just sort of became a thing. So we, we became a farm products distributor. And we worked with local and ethical farmers. And then one of the clients that I was helping, and, of course, all the proceeds would go back into the community. So we helped families, you know, get food. So if we were selling, let's say, a case of eggs, we would have a dozen eggs that would go to a family in need. That was always part of the, the you know, the, the giving back and, and the, the social enterprise part of it, right? And then, and then one of the women that I was um, working with, a housing worker, um, to, to create an opportunity for her to gain some secure housing. Um, she was a she, she, very lovely woman who become a close friend but uh she she's a survivor of domestic violence and so on and they were able to find their housing which is so exciting and then in in a week or so i got a call that their office cleaner up and quit (laughs) and so and we both had this moment of you know like like the heavens opened and we heard this like voice like i was like oh my god yes she can do this she can do this because i knew in the background she had had cleaning experience and had done that for a while. So before you knew it, one job started and then the second and then a third and then the fourth. And then, and then the housing manager I was working with said, Hey, can you hire this guy? He's about about to get evicted. If we can show that he's got a job, you know? Um, And I said to her, I said, yeah, give me more work and I'll put him to work, you know? So that's how the cleaning department started very randomly, um, but beautifully. <laughs> and, uh, and then because we were doing the cleaning, one of the directors um, at the housing agency <laughs> um, found out that we did something with food. And so in January of 2018, when the respites were opened, all of a sudden I got a call about food and all I heard, Peter, to be honest, 
was people are hungry. So I just said, yes, I had no idea what I was signing up for. Um, <laughs> and then after she said, okay, so we're going to need 350 breakfast, 350 lunch. And, and I was like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, and I didn't really even think about it. But I was like, yes, we can do this. And then she said, well, how much are you going to charge? I said, I have no idea. I've never done this before. So she basically told me what to charge. And, <laughs> and so the catering department was born in that moment. <laughs> so <laughs> it just sort of happened, you know. And then, you know, we had to hire people and do all this. And I actually had to work with the city of Toronto to get us a bigger kitchen. And, you know, it just it evolved. It evolved, and I feel like I'm every day learning um, uh, something new, you know? Uh, so, yeah, we're not really funded, so to speak. Um, we are. We really operate as a business. You're, you're self-funded, really. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now I want you to put your thinking hat on. The question is, where do you think your organization will be in three years from today? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, so I think, I think that we will in three years, be across Canada um, on on a few fronts, definitely the food security front and definitely the housing front and the employment front. So I, I think our model is sustainable. It's, um, rep, what's the word I'm looking for? It can, oh, it can be duplicated. Um, and it's, you know, it's got all things it's like it's, it's got people, planet, profit, all of it built in. So I, I see us in three years being a national organization where we can duplicate this model in every town, you know, to create the level of employment and to create the kind of services that people need um, and to be self-funded, to be independent. Um, I see that. I mean, dare I say, the way that we've been growing, that we could potentially even be international. We've got international projects that we're working on. For instance, we've got a beautiful food security program in Nigeria, which I think also is something that we can duplicate and actually work towards eradicating hunger altogether. Um, if we can duplicate it in the way that we've done in Nigeria, I think it would be very, very powerful on a global scale. You know, you should really... Uh Think about service organizations who could be partners. For example, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Rotary Group uh, are one mm -hmm. that I participate in. They have an e-club out of London, England. And mm -hmm. uh, they have 350 e-clubs across the world. And uh, right. they operate many of their operations in, in uh, different countries. Okay, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I think what's really important now, you've provided us a huge amount of information. How do people reach your website to mm -hmm. get more information? 
Oh, great question. Um, very simple. Go to angen.com. So A-A-N-G-E-N dot com. And you can see all kinds of information there about us. We will continue to to update. Um, the best way to get updates at this moment is to really follow us on social media. So on Facebook, we have a group and a page called Angen, which is A-A-N-G-E-N. Uh, on uh, Instagram, our handle is angen.community. And I think on Twitter, it's Angen, A-A-N-G-E-N. It could be Angen Community. I'm not really sure. I don't really update the, the Twitter one uh, very much, but um, other people do, so that's good. Uh, and, and just, sorry, to go back to the service club idea, um, currently I, I'm involved with the Lions. Um, I'm more than happy to become involved with the Rotary as well, but, um, yeah, I've been, I've been with the Lions for a few years, and it's, it's been really great to be involved with the service club, so I think that's a great idea. So, German, one of the things that I think is, uh, is I see incredible potential is the idea of stories. And uh, the idea would be if you could uh, videotape some of the stories of the people that are involved, whether it's the employees or the community that you serve, and you can do that in mm -hmm. today's world with a smartphone, and um, it's, it's all about, you know, telling stories today of successes and challenges that people are going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, that's so, a great idea. So even on the homepage, you know, on a rotating basis, you could consider, uh, you know, the people telling their stories. So... Mm -hmm. One of the businesses I ran, we hired a group out of Florida called, listen to this, Yacking Heads. And Yacking <laughs> Heads were actors and actresses. And we sent them a script. And then they, we picked a, uh, an African-American lady, and she did the script. She sent us the uh, file. And we put that on our homepage as a way of communicating who we were and what we were doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm just saying I see incredible opportunity for you and your organization to expand mm -hmm. through, say, social uh, franchising and uh, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. continue the good work that you're doing right across Canada. So, thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining me today. And mm -hmm. we look forward to having further communications with you and your organization. Thank you very much for this opportunity, Peter. I'm, I'm so glad that you reached out. And, and, and thank you for doing the great work that you're doing, because I firmly believe that the new economic model uh, will be social enterprise. I'm, I'm a firm believer of that. I think that we've seen what traditional sort of corporate um, capitalist structure has done to our planet and our people. Um, 
So I think it's time for change. And I think we can create that together through, through social enterprise.